So the scripture this morning is Psalm 119, verse 30. It's very short, but I'd still like you to stand for the reading of God's word. I have chosen truth, or sorry, I have chosen the way of truth. I have set my heart on your laws, the word of the Lord. Amen. Um, that scripture is really a, just kind of a springboard into where I'm going to go today because you're going to get, you're going to hear lots of references to scripture because um, that's what this is about. But before I do, yeah. I had a bit of an epiphany this morning. Um, we were singing, um, He Keeps Me Singing and In My Heart There Rings a Melody, and both of those refer to a song in our hearts. And, and I, for the first time I connected those songs with that scripture where Paul says, Sing hymns and psalms and spiritual songs, making music in your hearts to the Lord. It's the first time I think maybe the authors were thinking of, or the composers were thinking of that scripture when they wrote wrote those songs. Anyway, I maybe you've known that all along. There are certain, there are little things that bother me. Like I can't stand, um, you know, when you buy those shoes with the pull-on tabs on the back, you know, you know what I'm talking about? They have a little loop. I cut those things off because I hate my pants to get caught up on them. Drives me crazy. I can feel it back there, you know, in the hang-up. So I just cut those things off. And there are other things that bothered me that are much more important than that little irritating thing. It's just you know, my little pet peeve, I guess. One of the things that really bothers me is um, the way in our culture now that truth is mocked or twisted or misrepresented. How many of you remember uh, that television game show thing, uh, To Tell the Truth? Remember that? Yeah, some of the, some, it's not been, been gone for a long time, so, I don't know. If you're younger than X, you probably don't remember it. But, it, it, so just to explain a little bit, um, it was a, a, a kind of a panel show. There were four celebrities on a panel and they would bring in um, a a central character and um, you know they would all all, there would be uh, three of these people that would be brought in one of them was the the key person and they would all say each down the line my name is John Doe my name is John Doe my name so it all claimed to be the same person and, and the central figure here was someone who had maybe an unusual occupation or had done something kind of interesting and creative. And so it was the job of the panel to question these three people who claimed to be John Doe or whoever 
um, to find to, to see if they could figure out who the person was, the person that actually had this unusual occupation or done this interesting or creative or or dangerous thing or whatever it was. So the person who'd done this thing, who was the actual person named John Doe, had to tell the truth. But the other two could lie. That was their job. Their job was to trick the four celebrity panelists into believing that they were John Doe, even though they weren't. And if they were successful, if they got votes, as John Doe, even though they weren't, then they won money. So there was incentive to be a good liar. Um, yeah, it was kind of fun to watch. But you know, there is in operation, in our world, an intense and concerted effort to keep mankind from knowing and living the truth. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, we are told the importance of knowing the, the truth. John writes, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. No kidding. Nothing's changed, has it? This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the Spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here and is still here. John's writing to people who are contending with false teaching. They were, someone was attempting or someones were attempting to deceive them. So John encourages them to test the truth of what they're hearing. And we know, we know who's behind deception then and now, don't we? Jesus makes it pretty clear. He has this encounter with the Pharisees in John chapter 8. And there's several things that happen in this encounter. But in John chapter 8, verses, verse 44, in this encounter with these Pharisees, Jesus says this, You belong to your father the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So there you go. And then in Matthew twenty four eleven, Jesus said, And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Yep, that's happening, all right. And we're warned repeatedly in Scripture not to be deceived. Matthew 24, verse 4, Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you. James 1.16, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. 2 John 1.7, 
Many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world and any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Colossians 2.4, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. So we need to talk this morning of, um, about some reasons behind the lies that people believe. And the first is this. People aren't spiritual. Now, I know that can... You know, we say some people who are spiritual it has nothing to do with the God that we serve. But uh, I share with you 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. This is from the New Living Translation. It says, but people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds like foolishness to them, and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. And let me read that again for you in the NIV. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And so we see people who scoff at the Scripture. They seek ways to discredit it. And hence we have those who even call the Bible hate speech. So, that's one problem. People aren't spiritual. They, it, they aren't in tune with God. The Spirit of God does not live in them, and they cannot understand the things of God without the assistance, the help of the Holy Spirit. The second thing is, truth, their truth, is based on something that is not Scripture. <clears throat> That's where our truth is based, right? It's weaker than I'd hoped for. <laughs> yes. We've got all this, uh, we've got a lot of truth out there today, don't we? Uh, some of it is tied into political correctness and tolerance. But too often... It's not scriptural correctness, and we're encouraged to tolerate things that God tells us are sin. And John Bevere states this in his book, Driven by Eternity, about the up and coming eternal judgments that we will face. And he writes this, Many today are not building their lives on the, the eternal God's Word, but rather cultural thinking, tradition, assumptions, and emotional feelings about who God is. This doesn't just apply to people who are not Christians, but to many believers as well. It's a scary thing to believe something temporal as being the eternal truth. If this is done, your foundation is faulty and setting you up for a sure fall. You will believe a lie and are in a deceived state. I'm amazed at how many people I meet who base their lives on what's not eternal. Some will tell me of God and their belief in His Son, but whom they declare just isn't the one revealed in His Word. The deception runs deep. 
How can they believe what they have simply imagined with their own minds, shaped by a society that has already been declared contrary to God's nature? Jesus said, He who does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And he goes on to say, There is a judgment day which has been appointed from the foundation of the world. That day will not bring new revelations of truth. Rather, it will measure all things by what has already been spoken. His word, which we currently possess, will judge us in that last day. It is eternal. It is final. There are no exceptions, alterations, or revisions. Wouldn't it benefit us to know and live by what he says rather than assume what he said? The judgments made in that day are called eternal. Pretty important, isn't it? To know the truth of God's word. And then, another reason we buy the lie is because we listen to the wrong people. <laughs> we, uh, there's a lot, there are a lot of folks who look, at, list, who look to enlightened authors, teachers, philosophers, even theologians and preachers. Galatians chapter 1 verse 6, Paul writes, I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but it is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like truth. Romans 16 Verses 17 and 18, I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching that you have learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Acts 20, verse 30. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. Finally, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can make your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And that's who is behind these efforts to deceive. 
and lead us into error. When Paul explains the realities of evil in this world, he's pointing to those who are behind the schemes to lead us away from the truth of God. You know, there's a comical view of evil out there. You know what I'm talking, talking about, this character who wears a little red fork and has a pointy tail and a pitchfork. And, and you see that in cartoons and things like that. Then there's the Hollywood view of evil that might be we might see in some of the Star Wars movies that came out a number of years ago, the, the Darths. The Darth Vader, the Darth Maul, the Darth Sidious. These guys dressed in black with haunting faces and piercing eyes. But is that a realistic picture of evil? I don't think so. See, evil doesn't want to appear as evil. If we, if we recognized evil right away, we would, we'd shun it. No, it's more likely to be dressed as maybe a comedian or an actor or a singer or a politician or even a pastor. The Apostle Paul said, even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Evil is found wherever we are led away from God. And Paul also speaks about the schemes of the devil. The, the Greek word here is methodia, or the methods of the devil. What are these? Probably the most important is that of deception. In fact, the word devil means deceiver. He is so adept at this that he is not all, at all afraid to, to use Scripture. In the Garden of Eden, he tempted Adam and Eve, beginning with God's word. Oh, God did not surely say. And he caused them to doubt and finally to disobey it. In the wilderness, he met his match. He tried to tempt Jesus by quoting scripture. You don't fool the author. And we need to be students of the Word so that when Satan attempts to twist the Scripture or or uses others to do that, we're aware of what he's doing and don't get drawn in. Another reason that we believe the lie is that we don't like the truth, so we choose our own. No, I don't like what the Bible says about that, so... Isaiah chapter 30, verses 8 through 11. Now go and write down these words. Write them in a book. They will stand until the end of time as a witness that these people are stubborn rebels who refuse to pay attention to the Lord's instructions. They tell the seers, stop seeing visions. They tell the prophets, don't tell us what is right. Tell us nice things. Tell us lies. Forget all this gloom. Get off your narrow path. Stop telling us about your Holy One of Israel. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say 
what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. So make me feel good. Another reason we buy the lies because we don't know the Scripture. And that's certainly true among unbelievers, but it's even true among some Christians. Folks, there is, I think, in the church of Jesus Christ as a whole, a sad, woeful ignorance of, of Scripture. We, we just don't even really know what it says. In Isaiah 40, verse 21, Haven't you heard? Don't you understand? Are you deaf to the words of God, the words He gave you? Before the world began, are you so ignorant? Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine. again, Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. Jesus replied, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. Second Peter three fifteen and 16. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all of his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Hmm. So how do we avoid error? Because to be in error can be costly. I think it's interesting that in the book of Proverbs, in chapter 14, verse 12, it says this, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. I memorized that in the King James Version. The end thereof is destruction. But what's really interesting about that is that two chapters later in, verse, in uh, chapter 16, verse 25, the, the writer of the Proverbs says the exact same thing. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. So we have a lot of things out there that sound good and sound right to people. But they're wrong. They're deceived. It's a lie. So to avoid that, number one, we need to know the Word. Um, there's someone named Ruth E. Van Recken, and I looked her up. She wrote a book on the Holy Spirit. She said, Our human reasoning alone isn't enough to discern truth from error. The best protection against deception is to know God's revealed truth, the Bible. Philosopher Soren Kierkegaard said, Christian truth itself has eyes to see with. In fact, it is all I. That's very disquieting. Think of looking at a painting and discovering that the painting was looking back at you. Precisely such is the case with Christian truth. It is looking back at me to see whether I do what it says I should do. 
And then this from Ray Steadman. He's, he's uh, commenting on the parable of the weeds from Matthew chapter 13. And he says, Notice that a major point of this parable is to give us a clue to the way the enemy works most successfully. It is by imitation, by counterfeit. How simple it would be if evil people would only look evil. Wouldn't that help a lot? If hypocrites would only snarl and growl a little bit, it would would help so much. But they always look so pleasant. They always talk so sweetly. They are such nice people. And that is why we go along with their ideas. We cannot believe that such nice people could be so far wrong. And unless we use the Word of God to evaluate their teachings, we can be deceived by the niceness of people who are imitation, counterfeit apostles, as the Word of God refers to them. And in Psalm 86, verse 11, it says, Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your truth. Grant me purity of heart, so that I may honor you. Psalm 119... Don't you love Psalm 119? I just, I'm amazed at how over and over again the psalmist is able to refer to the Scripture in different ways and talks, how, talks about how incredibly meaningful and important it is to him and to us. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16, how can a young man or a young woman or anybody else really keep his way pure? By living according to your word, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and Consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Folks, we have to be people of the word. We have to know the word. (laughs) It's kind of like, there are a lot of people out there that, well, I believe there's a God, but they don't know God. You know what I'm saying? We know about Jesus, but we don't know Jesus We know about the Scripture, but we really don't know Scripture. How many of you have a just a favorite verse that you've committed to memory? Well, don't raise your hand. I don't. I don't want to remember the ones that weren't up. Or I'm kidding. Yeah. We need to search the Word, not just know the Word. We need to search the Word. Remember, uh, Paul, in Acts 17, commends the Bereans. See, they searched the Scripture to see if what Paul was telling them was true. Does it match up? And the Scripture they had was the Old Testament. That's what they had. Um, none of the New Testament guys had completed their books yet at this report for uh, point for popular consumption. So when they went to the Word, they went to the Old Testament. And, you know, Paul talked a lot about, here's the Old Testament, it speaks about Jesus, and now he's the one you crucified. And so these guys, they didn't just take him because at his Word because he said it. They went and searched the Scriptures. 
Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Uh, when I pastored in Eastern Oregon, I had a lady who would come in every once in a while and question me on things that I preached, and I didn't mind at all. I was able to sit down with her and say from the scripture, here's why I said what I said. And that's what the Bereans were like. And folks, they weren't doubting Thomas's. It says they, that they received the message with great eagerness, but it also says that they examined the scriptures daily to see if what Paul said was true. And the word examined here means that they scrutinized it. They didn't just take for granted what Paul told them, but they looked carefully into the scriptures that they had to verify that what Paul was telling them was the truth. And then to avoid error, we need to seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit's message in the Scripture can only be understood by the help of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 11 through 16. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. I quoted this earlier, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Wow, yeah. We need wisdom in these matters, don't we? We need to be wise like the Bereans were. We need the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. And James chapter 1 verse 5 tells us, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given you. And we desperately need wisdom when it comes to knowing and discerning the truth. See, His wisdom is what brings us understanding in this world of confusing messages. His wisdom is what helps us to see in the darkness of this world. His wisdom is what helps us to see if something is true or false. His wisdom illuminates our minds to deception and danger. His wisdom sees the trap of the enemy and exposes it to us. His wisdom guides us down the narrow path of life. His wisdom tells us we're in the right when many others say we are in the wrong. And all of this comes through the light of God's Word. Amen? So that we do not fall into error. Be not deceived. 
Because the, I'm going to preach a series that's called Lies in Truth's Clothing. Did, I, I didn't even look. Did we? There it is. See the wolf in there? Yeah. Lies in Truth's Clothing. So we're going to be looking at some of those things, those distortions of Scripture that are commonly believed by a lot of people. Um, and looking at what the truth about those Scriptures is. Well, praise the Lord for the truth. Yes. Um, We want to...